Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And you know what, Horwat? We'll get into it in a little bit, but you are officially the leader in the clubhouse for our Tip of the Iceberg Penguins predictions. Now, I will say this because the Penguins went 2-0 over the weekend. We'll talk about those games. We'll break down tonight's matchup against the Oilers. Talk a little bit about Penn's Flames tomorrow. All that fun stuff on this episode. But with the Penn's predictor, I'm a very competitive human, so I'm not happy that I'm losing. But let me say, I'm sure you've watched Shorzy. You're doing your best Shorzy impression with the will never lose again moniker for your predictions. You are 4-1 and one on the seasons because you have predicted the Penguins to win in every single game. And they just happen to be 4-1. and one. By the way, I am 3-2 and because I predicted them to lose to the Kings and they shoved it in my face. So Horwat, leader in the clubhouse, small round of applause, small round of applause. How you doing? It's not even that it's they're four and one. They're four oh and one. They got that That's pity true. point in Montreal and they maybe should have not, but you know. Um and for what it's worth, they're they're an impressive four oh and one by way of they probably shouldn't be that impressive. Uh <laughs> they started off the the game against the Kings pretty poorly but were still but still never uh, trailed in the game. Um, you had I texted you something, I forget what it was exactly, but you responded with, you can't get much worse than that, and the Penguins said, hold my beer, watch the Columbus game, because that was putrid. And they were actually losing. They had to actually play from behind. Now, half you have to give them half credit. They were playing with literally 11 forwards. Nothing much they could do about it, but then they figured it out. They kind of realized that Columbus still hasn't set itself apart yet. And, you know, it was – both times I was just waiting for the Mike Sullivan uh, quote of, I thought we got better as the game went along. And both times he gave us a version of it, it felt it felt like, because yeah. let's just be real, the team got better as the game went along in both games. Regardless, apparently the Penguins will only win by scoring six goals. Let's Until we are proven otherwise, that has to be the number we hit. Uh, and it'll be scary if we don't, because whenever we don't, we lose in overtime. So it, it's a game of patterns so far for the Penguins, and it is start off slow, somehow not get that far behind, and then fire your way back in. But mm-hmm. the issue is you cannot do that against Edmonton, because if you start off slow, Connor McDavid will eat you alive. Did you see who was that against? Is that the Rangers he did that against, that little puck bouncing thing? I uh, I don't I I miss must have missed that one I have not been uh, caught up on league wide highlights but Connor McDavid is is a cheat code and listen in my time working in sports betting which I've worked in in sports betting radio for a little over a year now the one thing I have learned is the trend is your friend now the Pittsburgh Penguins going against the trend because right now so far this season in five games from Thirsty Thursday to Sunday Scaries they are undefeated. Those days, they are not only undefeated, but they score six goals in every game between those two days. Now, the boring regular weekdays is where they struggle. Now, realistically, it's it's only been one game, but they only scored two goals against a, let's face it, not-so-great Montreal Canadiens team. The trend is your friend. It's not a trend if it's only one. So I guess we're, we're not as nervous about tonight's matchup against the Edmonton Oilers as if, you know, that would have happened over a 20-game sample size. But the Penguins try to get their first actual weekday victory against the Edmonton Oilers later tonight. But we'll, we'll start by talking about these games. You already mentioned some of the stuff, the slow starts. It doesn't bother me that much because they came out and they scored six goals in both of those games. But you have to imagine that, like you said, you can't keep doing it. That's when it becomes an issue. They start slow against the Kings realistically in that game it was quantity of shots for the Kings over quality there were only six high danger chances out of 16 shots on goal for the Kings in that first period a great period by Tristan Jari but then you looked as the game went on yes the Penguins as far as expected goals go played worse in the second period which not a lot of people are mentioning that they were worse in the second period against the Kings in that aspect but then they dominated the third they beat them six to one Tristan Jari was electric and then you see the same thing happen against Columbus on Saturday on the road. Outshot 17-7 to in the first period, down 2 to nothing, and then all of a sudden they explode again. They flip the switch. It's good that they're flipping the switch like this, but at some point you have to hope they get out of the gate a little bit better. 
They have to get out of the gate better because one, we discussed the Penguins not playing the full 60 quite a lot last year. Seems like we're already going to have a couple of those discussions early this year. What was I do remember, though, when we had those discussions last year, one thing I always went back to was if you're not going to play the full 60, and let's say you're only going to play 40, you're only going to play 20, make it be the back ones. Let it be the second and third periods. Get, because those are the periods where you can make yourself uh, the comeback kids, not the ones blowing games like the Vancouver Canucks all season. You want to... If you're, it, I mean, obviously that's not the game plan. You want to play the full sixty, but if you're gonna get set in your ways, have a slow start. Fine, as long as you are winning the game. At the end of the day, that is really all that matters is that you have more goals than the other team. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna cut you off really quickly because your mic, uh, mic went out. But yeah, no, I completely agree. While you get set up, make sure you're all you're all set in the settings there. But. Definitely. I mean, you just look in the past three games. The Pittsburgh Penguins haven't played a full 60, let's say, since that Tampa Bay game in the second game of the season. The last three games, they haven't played the full 60. You look at what happened against Montreal. It was the back half, and they lost the game. Against LA and Columbus, guess what? It was the first period and the second period against the LA Kings, and they come out with 6-1, to 6-3 to three victories. So you know what? The Pittsburgh Penguins, if you do it in the right way, you don't have to play the 60. But that doesn't mean we don't want to see it. Like, we do, but understandably so. The NHL is a tough sport to get wins in, and these are tough teams you're playing against, especially the LA Kings. I think that was by far the more impressive victory for the Penguins over the weekend. But the fact is they're getting right at the right times, and they're scoring in bunches. Like, they're finishing on their chances, which is also something that they struggled with last season. Yeah, it's... They're doing it... They're they're looking damn good, I think. Yeah, they're having these slow starts. And you don't want to do that because you do have to play the full 60 no matter what. There are certain teams out there that will 100% eat you alive for having a slow start. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edmonton Edmonton can be a team that does it. Uh, Calgary can be a team that does it. Um, and then a bunch of teams in the East will do that. So you have to get off the blocks properly. You have to play the full 60 and you have to play the right way. And they are scoring in bunches. This team can score right now. And one of the most underrated parts of this whole thing is Tristan Jari's looked incredible and looked to have a, uh, a compl- not new style of play, but just this new tenacity in him. He's so much more confident in the net that um, it's, I was shocked he gave up three. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, those were yikes goals, almost all of them. So not too much Jari could do on a couple of them, but you know, it's, He's looking damn good. He's looking damn confident. And he's been an underrated part of this entire goal-scoring fiasco the Penguins have been putting on. So, Horwat, I, I want to ask you, will you come to the dark side with me and Hunter Hodes in the Tristan Jari for Vesna campaign? I know it's early, but will you join us? Early. Join us, Horwat. It's, a, it's, it's more fun on this side because you get to get more excited when Tristan Jari gets out to his first ever 4-0-0 start of his career, 2.01 goals allowed, average a 9.41 save percentage and 5.22 goals saved above expected, which is good for third in the National Hockey League. He's off to a great start, as you mentioned, Horwat, and he certainly carried the Penguins in the first period of the past couple games. Yeah, he he has. He's looked very good. I mean, the Penguins didn't have a shot uh, on goal for themselves until Columbus was already up one nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't catch the exact number, but I at least saw that. Columbus's goal came on their 11th shot. Yeah. So being that far behind is not ideal. He's been holding the fort down. And he said that, he said after the Kings game that he thought the the rest of the team was still playing good in front of him early on. I mean, to be fair, I guess they were because the pucks weren't, not that many pucks were getting on net. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just weren't getting that many chances themselves. And in that in the Kings game, their first goal just came off of a shot that just happened to be a little bit stronger than Cal uh, Peterson's padding. Mm-hmm. So, sure, they're they're scoring first and they're getting the right plays. But you know, Tristan Jarvis being as humble as he can and a teammate as as much of a teammate as he can, and saying that the boys have been clearing it out for him. Mm-hmm. They've been making sure he's seeing every shot. They've been playing the proper defense. It's a different sort of. It's a different sort of sloppy game, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're allowing quantity of shots in these games early on, but not quality, as we mentioned earlier. But, I mean, you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Shout out to Jan Ruda 
two-game goal streak. Let's see if he can keep it going tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. But somebody else that had a really good performance, and I want to bring it up specifically because of who he was playing with, and a lot of people mentioned him over the weekend. That's Danton Heinen, signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins for $1 million this offseason. That is looking like the absolute steal of the century with Ron Hextall getting the five-finger uh, discount. But Heinen filling in for Jake Gensel, who we'll talk about in a minute, gets two goals on Saturday. He has six points on the season, three of them being goals, and he is second on the Pittsburgh Penguins. What did you see from Heinen as he got promoted to the first line as an injury replacement? I was looking for all the things that Crosby said about Heinen, which was he he has a great shot. He's a good, he's a fast straightaway player, uh, and the big one that really stood out and was obvious in the in the game at Columbus for Heinen, he knows where to go to find the goals. I mean, Heinen scored twice, and both of them were just from the same spot, pretty much. Him being there, being there at the right time, and getting the right opportunity to let's face it, take easy goals. Mm-hmm. Both times, uh, Elvis Merzlikens was not in the net, really, or sprawling back. It was, they were high, not not even high danger chances. They were both kind of just opportunities that fell into his lap, mm-hmm. into Heinen's lap. They just, he was sitting there waiting for a bouncing puck on the first one, and it came to him with no one s- sitting with him. The second one, he was just trying to get into position, it seemed, and the puck happened to also meet him there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not creating opportunities but that is being in the right spot at the right time and taking advantage of the opportunities that are falling into your lap and like i said crosby uh, that's the stuff i was looking for sid said he knows the places of the ice to go he sure does because mm-hmm. it ha- it helped him out to score twice two huge goals by the way mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And we've seen that for, what, 18 years, whether it be Colby Armstrong, whether it be, you know, Chris Kunitz, whether it be Pascal Dupuy. What is one thing that you have to do to play with Sidney Crosby? Nowhere to be. Because guess what? Crosby is going to do a lot of the work himself. And it helps when there's guys like Gensel out there who can do the same thing, Raquel who can do the same thing. That's why that line is so dominant when they're all healthy and together. But when you have Raquel and Crosby out there, get into the right position, and somebody with a shot like Danton Heinen, that's exactly what Chris Kunitz made an entire career out of. It's being in the right place and finishing on the opportunities you have because you have a, a, a above-average shot, and, and that's what Heinen did on Saturday. He saw instant rewards after getting bumped up to that first line, which is a good thing because last year we saw him get an opportunity in the top six alongside Evgeny Malkin, but it just ended up coinciding with his worst stretch of games on the season and then he went in the doghouse and he had to work his way back and then gets that moment in the playoffs where he scores the game winning goal in game three but it's nice to see him immediately find success upon getting bumped up I'm not going to say that he's going to stay there once Gensel comes back which could be sometime in this road trip but it's nice to see him get that success and be that option in case something does happen going forward yeah and it is all about being in the right place at the right time for you know certain players the Columbus game is a perfect example of that, and it is definitely the game planning as well. It was because both of them came similarly too. Not only were they in the mm-hmm. same spot of the ice, but they both came from shots from the point that happened to bounce around a little and find them. Mm-hmm. Whether it be you know luck or uh, game planning, regardless, he was there at the right times and he was in the right spot of the ice to make things happen. Mm-hmm. It's good to see pucks getting all the way through to the goalie. It's good to see the team um, making damage happen, making scrambles happen, making them look ugly. But you know what? Finding the back of the net either way, especially in the Columbus game where you need ugly goals like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we they were down three to one at one point. I mean, hell, they were down two nothing, and Josh Archibald decided to become Patrick Kane. What the <laughs> hell? Yeah. Uh, with a pretty goal like that, and then will they immediately answer back, and it's three to one? Mm-hmm. Well, you need an ugly goal. You can't just rely on playmaking and skill. You, sometimes you just got to get the dirty one. And he was in the front of the net where the garbage gets cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big tying goal for him, then a big goal to extend the Penguins' lead later in that game. Also, I, I think one last thing before we head over and talk to the injury news. Uh, is the fact that who's scoring the goals for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not only did they score six again, but in the first three games, it was, oh, Crosby, Rust, Malkin, Gensel. It it was the stars, and and rightfully so. But in the last two games, a lot of points from defensemen. 
Jeff Petrie gets one. Jan Ruda gets two. We saw Paling put the puck in the net. We saw McGinn get a goal. We saw Archibald, as you mentioned, light the lamp. So nice to see a holistic approach to offense for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But let's talk really quickly about the injury news. I know we went a little deeper than we expected to on the game review. But it were two really good games, lots to talk about. But uh, on the injury front, obviously, Teddy Bluger has yet to make his season debut. He's been day-to-day for the past three weeks, but he's been skating and he's been on and off with contact at practice. Officially on Sunday, the Penguins moved Teddy Bluger to long-term injured reserve, retroactive to October 11th. Now, this is why the Penguins played with only 11 forwards and 7 defensemen on Saturday, because he was only on injured reserve, which means his salary cap still counted. So they didn't have the space to bring somebody up to play in that forward position. But by moving them to LTIR, it opens up the space. And they obviously already had that extra roster spot, which is why you saw call-ups of Drake Kajula and Sam Poulin to the NHL roster over the weekend. Now, we understand that some people are just getting into the sport of hockey. We don't know the, the experience level of everybody. And obviously, specifically with roster stuff, salary cap stuff. So for LTIR... The player must be expected to miss 10 games and 24 days of the season. That has to be combined. So for that to happen, of course, Horwat looked this up for his story the other day. He's available to come back on November 4th. So it seems as if Teddy Bluger is going to be out for another at least like 10 days. Uh, And then we'll see what happens there if he's able to come back. But this was purely because they don't know when Jake Gensel is going to be back. They don't know when Teddy Bluger is going to be back and they can't continue to pay with 11 forwards, especially on a long Western Canada road trip. So, Bluger to LTIR, he's going to be out till at least November 4th at the earliest. Jake Gensel, on the other hand, leaves the game against the LA Kings after being hit high by Brendan Lemieux, also gets hit by friendly fire. His own defenseman hits him in the back of the head when he's trying to exit the zone. (sighs) Unfortunately for me, he is the first player eliminated from the Iron Penguin Award this season. And he was... Ah, you could say second. Uh, I feel like to to be eligible, you have to play in the opener. So I don't think Teddy Bluger was really ever eligible. But nonetheless, that's one of my two predictions out the window in the third week of the season. So uh, that's obviously of very little consequence to his health. We hope he's okay. He could return in this road trip, according to head coach Mike Sullivan. And he did practice on Sunday, so he was on the ice after the team practice skating on his own. So it seems like he's trending in the right direction and we'll see Gensel by the end of the week. Most likely, I believe. I think part of the LTR decision as well, obviously a big part of it was, well, we can't keep playing with 11 forwards. That's just not ideal game planning. You need to have a system in place for yourself. I think when it came down to it, they dropped because yeah bluger's been progressing mm-hmm. right that's all we keep hearing is that date bluger's still day-to-day and getting better okay well what's got to give here because he's been flying back and forth between uh jersey colors he's looked good he has he's been practicing before the morning skates okay sometimes he's not Ugh. and we really don't even know we have no idea exactly what it is all we know is upper body other than that, it's pretty undisclosed. Um, but then it, it comes down to, oh, well, now Jake Gensel's hurt. We don't know really for how long either. Mm-hmm. All right, well, if you have to drop one of them on LTIR, uh, yeah, you're going to drop Bluger, regardless of how close or far away he is from returning, for the fact of they both don't have a timetable. But if, if, if Gensel gets healthy... You know, within that LTIR time frame that is set of 24 days, I think is what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you better utilize him right away. Yeah, and you can... Nothing against Teddy Bluger. He's just a better player. And Bluger, thankfully, I mean, maybe not thankfully, makes $2.2 million, So when you set, when you put him on the LTIR, onto LTIR, uh, you have cap space now. Mm-hmm. You have that little bit of breathing room where you're able to call up two people, mm-hmm. not just one. You have the two players to come up and have options for... Let's be honest, we're the Penguins. If more injuries occur, you have quickly, you're able to slot in another name. Um, so I think it was just kind of a smart move. The retroactive part also adds a lot to it. Yep. Uh, now you can, now you know that, you, that time's already passed. You haven't utilized him. Now, if he's ready to go on the 5th, uh, November 5th, that is, he's ready to go on November 5th. Mm-hmm. 
yeah we, send everyone back down to figure it out weirdly enough and, and i looked at that and i was oh that's a game against the kraken i was like oh wait that's the second game against the kraken so the penguins getting uh their western their their western foes out of the way early i guess uh we'll see with that but the call-ups were drake kajula and sam Poulan. of course both players looked pretty good in penguins training camp sam Poulan especially looking good in penguins training camp the number one or sorry the first overall pick of 2019 so the question then becomes and horwatt uh, let's argue about this for a second because I want to see what your opinion is. Who gets the start tonight? Who gets into the lineup? Is it Drake Kajula in a revenge game against his former team, or is it Sam Poulain making his NHL debut? That's it's really hard. I bet they do each play one game, though, in the uh, in these two Monday and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I would go with Kajula first, and then Poulain. I don't know why. Um. I think because you want a little more, a little bit more of a defensive mindset against a guy like Connor McDavid as much as you can. Not that McDavid and Kajula or even McDavid and Poulin would be sharing ice that much, mm-hmm. but that seems like the smart play just in the defensive mindset against a team that could kill you offensively. Mm-hmm. The Penguins have enough offense out in their top six that they should be able to handle themselves. We see them pop off for six goals every win. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I you know, Calgary's just as high flying. It's it's a hard decision, especially if they were to go one and one and then maybe do the same thing in uh, Vancouver, Seattle. But I bet I don't know. I'm I have no real reason for my guessing here. I'm just kind of throwing a dart and seeing whichever <laughs> one hits, and I'm yeah. going Kajula first. Okay, well I'm gonna go on the opposite end. I I think they should give Sam Poole and the nod, and honestly, as much as I wouldn't hate to see Kajula in the lineup, honestly, if, if that's what they do, it's what they do. And I, I think either one would be a fitting replacement. But I think when you see where Sam Poulin has been throughout all of training camp, obviously Penguins management was raving about his performance at training camp. Rob Rossi puts out the tweet on Sunday that he's been even better since returning to Wilkesburg, which is what you want to see, obviously, against lower talent. So I think you give Sam Poulin the nod, and I understand that He's not expected to stick at the NHL level at this point, but give him his first couple of games here. Let him play against Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Let him play against Jonathan Huberdeau and the Flames. And guess what? He's not going to be matched up against those guys very often, but he has shown that he's a really good two-way player now and let him get those opportunities against an Oilers team that if he doesn't go up against McDavid or Dreisaitl, let's face it, the rest of the Oilers are not that good. He could eat on that third line with Carter and Kapanen, and all of a sudden you have Poulin gaining confidence at the NHL level. I think that that's that's what I would do. Let the kid get his feet wet, similar to what you did with P.O. Joseph, but obviously not wait as long to get him a full-time spot, hopefully. But get his feet wet, get him in the first couple of games, because you know Gensel's not going to be back till probably either Friday or Saturday. Let P- or Sam Poulin, excuse me, Get a couple of games under his belt. I I think that would be great because Kajula has the NHL experience. And listen, if Poulain plays tonight against the Oilers and looks completely out of place like a fish out of water, then no harm, no foul. Put Kajula in tomorrow and say, listen, we're going to get you another opportunity, but we're going to sit you down here really quickly because we do need these points on a very important road trip early in the season. Yeah, yeah, I think... There is no wrong answer for who plays, by the way. No. I'd like to say that right away. There is no wrong answer. Ideally, you don't have Poulin sitting out the entire time he's up. Correct. That's the only wrong answer to this question is so long as however long Poulin and Kajula are up here or Poulin is up here, that he plays a couple of times or once Mm -hmm. and then you send him down, however it may go. As long as he is not sitting the entire time he's here, you're that you've made you've made the right call mm-hmm. that's all it is and maybe he doesn't play well well though we, we he's still growing i guess but as long as he's not sitting the entire time that's the only thing i have for it there is no wrong answer for who plays tonight though mm-hmm. yeah get him a look and here's the funny thing that I, I for some reason just thought of if he gets two games in then goes back to wilkes he can absolutely sun valtteri pustin and philip hollander be like listen i have more nhl games played than both of you okay considering both of them played one game last year but i dig- played like six someone played like six last casper casper bjorkvist that's right yeah he's not here anymore but uh we're gonna take a quick break when we return we're gonna dive a little deeper into the game against the edmonton oilers and talk a little bit at the end of the next segment about the calgary flames matchup tomorrow night we'll be back right after this break
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, you're drinking coffee out of your Reese's mug, which is honestly one of my favorite mugs that you bring out. I know you have a nice little rotation going. I like I like the Reese's mug. I really do. But you might want to make sure that your your coffee mugs are all lined up. Because it's one of those weeks where the Pittsburgh Penguins will be playing late nights, as our good friend of the show, Brian Metzger, says. The Owl Club, or whatever. The Late Night Owl Club. The Midnight Owl Club. or, or I don't remember what he says on radio. You'll and hear it soon. Don't worry. You will hear it later tonight, probably. I think it's the Midnight Owl Club. Sorry, Brian. Um, but you'll be hearing that all week because they're in Western Canada. They finish off the trip against the Seattle Kraken on the West Coast of the United States. They start it by being away in Alberta. Taking on the Edmonton Oilers later tonight, the 2-3-0 Edmonton Oilers, good enough for fifth in the Pacific Division. Uh, missing Dylan Holloway, young player who's a forward. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins had a little bit of interest in him before they traded the 15th overall pick a couple seasons in the back. And Oscar Clefbaum, who's been out for a long time. So they're without a lot of people, or not a lot of people, I should say. And this team, let's just face it, is built on the back of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Do we have to go much further into it than that? No. Uh, also, the cleft bomb thing, I believe... Yeah, he's not expected to play at all this season, so that's kiboshed. Yeah. Um, other than that, how much further into this team do you have to go? <laughs> Ugh, I mean... We have their lineup, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But it's 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 truly a team of, of McDavid with 10 points in five games and Dreisaitl with eight and five. Yeah, and then, sure, they brought in Jack Campbell and Ned, but, I mean, this is his season to finally shed that backup role, uh, backups label that I still kind of have him as. Mm-hmm. Stuart Skinner's supposed to be really good, but he's the future of the team, and he's not the right now. Yeah. Everyone else on this team, though, as you try and look up and down, you look for, all right, who's going to produce on this team? Who's going to do something aside from Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? And... Ugh, it's ugly. This is an ugly team, but their team can still get things done. I mean, they went to the they were in the Western Conference Finals last year, weren't they? They were before they got embarrassed by the the Avalanche, but fair. Well, I mean, it, it seemed that in the West specifically, everyone was getting embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Everyone except for the Avalanche got embarrassed. It seems so. No harm, no foul, I guess. Um, this is a very interesting team. Like that top six is good. There's yeah. nothing wrong with their top six. Uh, Connor McDavid and Drysaddle obviously need no introduction. People love or hate Evander Kane. He's a he's, decent enough player. He's been very would, good in Edmonton. Yeah, and he's been even better in Edmonton. I mean, you could argue that he wasn't that great, wasn't that great in San Jose and Buffalo before, but he's turned it on in Edmonton and has found new legs, and I think that's just the Connor McDavid effect. Ryan Nugent Hopkins getting moved to the wing. Did not realize that. That's interesting and fun. And Zach Hyman, the, the top six is good, mm-hmm. and I didn't even mention Kyler Yamamoto, who's supposed to also be very good. So that's a it's a fun, good top six. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of putting the pieces together, and that bottom six again, it's full of names, yeah, but they're not panning out the right way. Yeah, Warren Fogle hasn't been the same player since he got traded to Edmonton, and and Yessi Puljujarvi is a story in his own right, where a lot of people thought that he was going to be away from the Edmonton Oilers this year. But uh, you're you're right, the top six is their is their strong suit. I think the Penguins do win that bottom six battle. Like I said, if it's Poulin, Carter, and Kapanen against Fogle, McLeod, and Puljujarvi, I would take the Penguins in that battle. But the thing that you also have to look at is that top six when they're playing well. Obviously, McDavid and Drysaddle again. But Evander Kane can put the biscuit in the basket very, very well. And then Zach Hyman had a two-goal game against the Penguins last year as well. So this team can be very, very dangerous if they want to be, especially on the offensive side of the puck. So the Penguins are going to need to be on their game from the jump, especially their two-way game that has been so prevalent in the first two games of the season, not as much in the last three. Yeah. Yeah. it's They're going to have to have that two-way game for them working all day and now we let me bring up the defense really quickly because we don't usually get into it very much but Cody Cece on the top pairing with Darnell Nurse then it's Brett Kulak Tyson Berry Evan Bouchard and Ryan Murray it's an okay defense of lineup I, I like I don't think there's anything absolutely amazing about it but I don't think that it's a, a, a god-awful lineup by any stance of the word does anyone on this defense play defense though Cody Cece 
Like, yeah, and, Bre- yeah, and, and, but, and Brett Kulak. Like, and Brett Kulak. I mean, I just, you look at Darnell Nurse. He's the offensive defenseman. Tyson Berry, offensive defenseman. I don't know enough about Ryan Murray or Evan Bouchard. Ryan Murray sounds like a defensive defensive name. <laughs> he is. <laughs> so, you look at, it's one of those defenses. It's like the old Nashville defense. It's where you look at it and you go, who is playing defense here? Or are you just kind of two more forwards that happen to stand a little further away? Um, uh, and Cody Cece, yeah, it's I mean, we saw we we the Penguins got the best of Cody Cece, and that's because we were using him in the proper role. First line right wing or first line right defense does not sound like the proper role for Cody Cece. So he is a fish out of water. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's getting paid to be that though because he did make all that money after his year in Pittsburgh, and and when you look at this defense core. That's why I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. We'll get to our Pens predictions here in a minute or two. But it's going to be a high-scoring game, in my opinion. Because any game that you see, it's Crosby versus McDavid. That's always going to be something that people are going to look at. And listen, it's been a matchup so far that we've seen very good things on either side. Obviously, everybody remembers the overtime goal Crosby had in Edmonton a couple years back. Let's face it, Connor McDavid torched the Penguins last year. The the Oilers swept the Pens 2-0. They scored five goals in both games. The Penguins failed to get more than two in both games. And Connor McDavid had a goal and three assists in both outings. So he torched the Penguins last year. We'll see if that happens again this season or if the Penguins can go back to what they were doing prior, which was kind of negating Connor McDavid. And realistically, it was more Leon Dreisaitl would get the best of them early on in these matchups. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a matchup that these two, uh, Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby, are always going to take the marquee. It does not matter who else is in the lineup. Um, we can remember the first couple of matchups between these between these two teams, and Crosby and McDavid weren't involved. It was Evgeny Malkin against Connor McDavid. I can remember it was a conversation we had. Um, but this is it. This is going to be the matchup for the night. It's going to be the only one that matters mm-hmm. because... Real Connor McDavid turns it on for these kind of games, and expect much of the same, especially if he's able to have that same dominance he had last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to be fair, Connor McDavid turns it on for most games at this point of his career. He's an absolute menace for most teams um, to this point. But the last thing I want to mention before we get to our Pens prediction is you talked about Jack Campbell really briefly. He's off to a bad start. Like, he, he's not started well. He's already been pulled in one game. His first ever Battle of Alberta, he was pulled, gave up three goals in the first period. He's 2-2-0 on the season, 889 save percentage, 382 goals allowed average, and a negative 1.5 goals saved above expected. So, not great. It is early. It's not really indica- indicative of really what he is overall, but it's not a great start for him. Stuart Skinner, 0-1-1. Uh, sorry, 0-1-0, and a 944 save percentage. So Skinner's looked good in relief, but Campbell is the guy in uh, in Edmonton. I just realized that the last two times we've previewed games, I've only said the starter and we've played the backup. So I, I might as well start saying both goaltenders in these previews. Yeah, that's the other part that people haven't really realized. Uh, the Penguins haven't played a bunch of starting goalies yet. Merz no. uh, Lincolns. Merz Lincolns is the first one. I mean, they did play both Kings goalies, so one. so that's... Yeah, I mean they're doing one A one B up there. So yeah, and, Vim- sure, and, and Vimelka, who was left out to dry after three goals in the first period. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't count. By the way, he's a, <laughs> you know such, you know what I, such disrespect for Carroll. Whenever I say starting goalie, I think the obvious thing is if they are have if they have the caliber of an NHL goalie, and you flip through the games, and uh, it's not pretty. Okay, well with that, then I w- I gotta ask you. Do the Toronto Maple Leafs have a starting caliber goalie in their organization right now? (laughs) You know, it's hard to say because it wasn't Samsonov, right? It's Murray and and Samsonov. He was... (laughs) (laughs) The answer is... You know know what they do have? You know what they do have? They do have a two-time Stanley Cup champion as their goalie. So let's uh, leave it at that. Thanks for uh, these two. Thanks for these two, Muzz. I'm blocking it with my head. But thanks for those two cups in 2016 and 17, Muzz. But, man, it's been a rough start for him in in Toronto. Just a rough start basically since 2018 at this point. But um, He's got to rebuild something somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I digress. This is not a Maple Leafs podcast. If it was, 
Uh, it would be better than Steve Dangles. But let's get back to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, obviously, we, we've broke down the matchup. I want to get to the prediction. I'm down by one. So I'm predicting the Penguins win this one in a shootout. I, I Not in an actual shootout, but in a, in like a... A lot of goals are scored. I think it's a 7-6 to six game. I pray that no game ever ends in a shootout ever again because I hate the shootout. But uh, I, I do think this one ends 7-6 to six in favor of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm going to say this is the one we lose. Oh! Outright. Wow. Something about Connor McDavid, man. It, Connor McDavid... Yeah, you could, you, we could firmly say that Connor McDavid is the best player in this league right now. Yeah. Well, Nathan McKinnon's making a fight, but he needs to have that one more year of... I mean, Connor McDavid's been doing all of this. Yeah, McKinnon's got that postseason success under his belt finally. But damn, if Connor McDavid doesn't put up ridiculous numbers every night. I have his splits in front of me because I was curious. He has 18 points against the Penguins in 10 games. Ugh. There is only one team he has fewer than 10 points in. Can you name it? One team that he has fewer than 10 points against. The Washington yes. Capitals. No, it's the Seattle Kraken. Oh, okay. So he's probably only and played, what, three games, nine points? Three games, five points. Three games, five points? It's still kind of ridiculous. It's it's, it's all right. It's decent. Um, Yeah, it's something about him. And, like, in teams that he has under 10 games played, like the Bruins, 14 points. The Panthers, 16. And both of those are in nine games. It's disgusting the numbers he can put up and i just expect much of the same i mean 10 games against the penguins 18 this will be his 11th probably walk out here with 22 or something well and here's the thing last year he played two games against the penguins scored eight points so before that the penguins had him at a point per game we did yeah we <laughs> had him at pretty at a pretty decent clip beforehand because we we just shut him down somehow. I don't know how. It was the, the Leon Drysaddle was the one that really attacked us. I mean, a point per game is still pretty good, but for for Connor McDavid wise, that's what you that's what you need to do. Yeah. So, ugh, I just I'm just, and eventually the Penguins are going to lose, right? Listen, eventually. I'm still surprised that you said you predicted a loss here. So we're on opposite sides tonight. Um, so you're you're emotionally hedging against your team which happens all the time in sports betting do you have a score prediction i know i don't keep track of the score predictions but they're always fun to to look back on uh, man I, I do believe it'll be a dog fight like you think it'll be um what did you say seven to six i said seven to six <sighs> seven past jari still seems like a lot so i am gonna go with it's a it's a dog fight but it's not that bad so we go five to four Five to four. I'll input Nine in goals here. Is still a lot in this league. Nine goals is still a lot of goals to be scored in a game. But um, let's move over. We've talked a lot about this matchup. Let's talk about tomorrow night's matchup very briefly. Penguins taking on the Flames. Let's face it. The Pittsburgh Penguins looked worse than they did against any other team when they played the Flames last year. This season, the Flames are 4-1-0, first in the Pacific. The one injury for them is Oliver Shillington. He was placed on the IR on October 10th. Last year, the Flames swept the Penguins. Two of the worst losses, like I said, of the season. The Penguins got shut out at home early in the year. And then when they went to Western Canada, we all remember the post-game press conference after a 2-0 loss to Calgary. Mike Sullivan said, I believe, three words. Usually a man of many words. He said three words. They said, would you care to elaborate? When they asked him how good the Penguins, or how the Penguins did, he said, we were bad. They said, care to elaborate? He said, no. So, to get Mike Sullivan in a mood like that, you have to imagine how bad the Penguins played last season if you don't remember. Pens, Flames, the team is a little different. It's still Daryl Sutter. It's still the Calgary Flames. They got Jonathan Huberto. They got Nazem Kadri. It's going to be a tough back-to-back -back here in Edmonton and Calgary. Always is, but even more so now. It's, man, that is tough. Mila Lucic is still a pest. He's a menace. Yeah. Uh, it's not an exciting game, but, you know, maybe that's the game that they pull the win out of just because you, you got re, you got to rebuild and play better against the teams you played not great against last year. Mm -hmm. You got to take those right points and maybe, and then you got to remember it's the Penguins in a back-to-back, -back, mm -hmm. but also who is playing when goaltending-wise. Yeah, that's, that's going to be tough. They're, there's, again, no wrong answer here. Yeah. <laughs> it's either you play uh, your better goalie against Connor McDavid or you play your better goalie against 
a pretty high-flying Calgary Flames team. Mm-hmm. There's no wrong answer for who plays when. You kind of just have to make sure your defense is on point and make sure the shots stay far, make sure the shots are visible, and get your own pucks in deep. So I could see the Penguins pulling out a win against Calgary, though. Oh, yeah. Regardless of who was in net. I could see them going 2-0 on this stretch. I I really could. Because it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Penguins play really good against a really good team. They did against Tampa Bay, albeit against a backup goaltender. They did it against L.A. They they blew the doors off of L.A., which completely blew my mind. That's the one game so far that I've predicted a loss for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But when you look at these two games, obviously, there's no easier one. I mean, you could say the Edmonton Oilers have the higher-end talent, but that's just because Connor McDavid's number one Point one in the National Hockey League, and Leon Dreisaitl is like 1.5. Meanwhile, the Flames are a more holistically good team, and I think they're a better coach team, so there's no right answer for who to start in which game. I think the thing is, in tomorrow night's game against the Calgary Flames, the Penguins really need to get out to a hot start, more so than against the Edmonton Oilers, because the Oilers can break down defensively with a lead or from behind. But to break the the Calgary Flames, you have to get up on them. That's something the Penguins couldn't do last season. They couldn't beat Jacob Markstrom in net. They need to get one past him early to make the Flames have to push for a goal so they can hope for some mistakes and capitalize on those mistakes. So they really need to get out to a hot start against the Calgary Flames tomorrow. No pun intended. And that's something they haven't done for the past three. Even if they don't tonight, they need it tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be a necessity. It's you got to get off to the right start. You got to get off on the right foot and finding the proper areas. And who knows? I mean, we don't know the exact status of Jake Gensel, but maybe he comes back by tomorrow. Maybe we don't know. We haven't seen today's practice yet. We haven't seen um, any updates in that sense. So who knows what happens in the next twenty-four hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that, I know I know it was a quick quick preview there but that's the second game that we're previewing today so that's why we do it like that Horwat, i'll let you go first pen's prediction for penguins against the calgary flames i still have a big old w for that one i think oh. it'll be let's go three to one let's go with the low scoring matchup a three say both goalies turned it on regardless of who's in net for us mm-hmm. so you have the penguins winning in a low scoring affair that's the f- that would be the first low scoring victory of the year uh, if they got it, because they've scored six goals in all four victories this season. Got to get those gutsy wins. I'm on the opposite end of you again. So we have two opposite ends the next two days. We can really quickly, I can get back out in the lead, which is what I want. I have the Penguins losing against Calgary Flames 4-2. to two. I mean, they looked very bad against them last year. And I think this is a team in Calgary that is very well coached in Daryl Sutter. Not that the Penguins aren't well, a well-coached team, but if I have them winning a shootout against the Edmonton Oilers, second half of a back-to-back, it's hard to play against the Flames when you're already tired. So I have the Penguins wearing down and falling victim to the Flames 4-2. to two. So we got some interesting predictions to go the next two days, Horwat. Me versus you, head-to-head, mano y mano, in the back-to-backs in Alberta. But what we're going to do right now is take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to close out this one with our weekly Pens poll. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, obviously, in some very, very good journalism, Big J journalism for the site. Horwat, is there anything, I know you're covering a lot of the news, breaking news and stuff. Is there any opinion pieces that are rattling in the dome that we could possibly see coming up on the site here? I got nothing right now. It's just (laughs) waiting for news to happen. It's a ton of... Hey, here's all the injuries we have. Hey, here's us playing with my my opinion pieces come out a lot faster than uh than the big long think pieces that other people do. I get I get a thought and I immediately run with it and post it in 20 minutes. Yeah. So I mean, I could tell you that what did I have up there? I had something up there not till not too long ago. Oh, I just like how nah, nah, it, it is more of a talky piece. I don't have that many opinions up there. Read my stuff though. <laughs> Well, that was an opportunity for you to say just any of your articles that are up there. But I guess there's a lot of them up there. Just look for the byline, Nick Horwat, obviously. Um, there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot that go up there on a daily basis. You do a great job with that. But let's get into our, our, our weekly Pens poll. 
we asked last week, which early trend is most likely to continue? And realistically, only one of them is still not in the leaderboard. It's Crosby leads in points. Jari over a 930 save percentage, Latang leading average time on ice, or Malkin leading in penalty minutes. Before I say the results, Horwat, which one did you think is most likely to continue? I'd be torn between the Latang and the Crosby one because those just seem like guarantees. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to give the edge to one, I'm going to go with Latang's uh, average time on ice because no one's going to touch that ever. Yeah. And Knock on wood, sometimes Sidney Crosby just gets injured and has to fall behind in that sort of category. Mm-hmm. So if one has to be more likely and if I was to take a bet and place it on, you know, put something on black or something on red, I'd have to place it on uh, the uh, Crystal Tang ice time. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I like that. Uh, most people would disagree with you simply because the results of the poll say Sidney Crosby leading in points is the most likely trend to continue. 53% of our voters and our listeners said that he is going to lead the team in points. That's going to be the most likely one to continue. 10 points in five games. He is four points ahead of second place, which is Danton Heinen, as we mentioned earlier. Interestingly enough, number two in this poll was Jari over a 930 save percentage. 18% of voters said that. He's currently at a 941, so it has continued throughout this week, but 930 is very good. And if you're like me, in the in the Jari for Vezina fan club, I guess we could call it. It's me, Hunter Hodes, are the, are the charter members there. But if you're like me, and that does happen, it makes me look good. But 930 is a very hard save percentage to maintain throughout an entire season. He's off to a great start. That's very difficult. I was surprised that that came in second. 930. When's the last time a goalie had a 930 for a whole season? Uh, Igor Shosturkin last year. All right. You know what? Those <laughs> Andre, are Martin Brodeur numbers. That's all Andre Vasilevsky the year before that, I'm pretty sure. So to hit a 930, you have to have a couple of shutouts here and there. You have to have quite a few of them. Tristan Jari has never struck me as a shutout goalie. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I mean, he's got 11 on his career. He had four last year, but you always feel, and he was carrying one into late into the third against the Kings. Yeah, I wanted that for um, him. But, but something always happens. I feel like Jari, he'll, he's a Jari's a, go, a goalie that gets wins, mm-hmm. but doesn't get complete game shutouts. And when you when you're not doing that, obviously your goals against average is going to not goals against the uh, save percentage is going to drop a little uh plus 930 is just a hard 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 number clearly yeah. i forget how easy it is for some people but no i mean it, um, only, it's difficult as hell yeah only one or two goaltenders sometimes get to that number in a full season so it, to be in that club is in a very elite club and that's where some people think that Tristan Jari is going to be this year. Uh, apparently, 18% of voters think that he's going to be above 8, 930 this year. So, uh, good on them. Listen, welcome to the Tristan Jari for Vesna Club. You can get your membership card here on Tip of the Iceberg or over at Locked On Penguins because we are both card-carrying members, at least uh, this half of the screen over here. On the left or right, I can't tell whichever way you're, you're watching the screen. <laughs> i just like to know who thinks... Good, who thinks- who do you? Who does everyone think is going to play more than twenty three minutes a night on average? Uh, well, that is sixteen percent for for Chris Letang gets that vote, which makes a lot of he's, sense. Um, he's three minutes more than Jeff Petrie, who is in second. Who's going to pass that? He is currently leading, like you, you mentioned, twenty three minutes and one second, which is kind of low for for Chris Letang. And, and something that was amazing that happened in the game against the LA Kings, Chris Letang didn't finish top in. In time on ice for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not only that, he finished third. Horwath. That'll happen when you play s- when you have six penalties. He finished third. That's crazy. I was like, this is this is amazing. This has never happened before. It's crazy. Were, he's still gonna he's the, still gonna win. Like he's still gonna win that. Yeah. <laughs> who were the two ahead of him? They had to be penalty kill defensemen. I'm pretty sure it was Petrie and Pedersen. Yep, penalty killing defensemen. <laughs> Although Pe- Petrie also uh, power play defenseman. So. Mm-hmm. If anyone's going to put up the fight, it's going to be him, but he's, he's still three minutes behind. And at, and rising, raising your numbers and averages is extremely hard. Well, I think we all expect Chris Letang most nights to play 25-plus minutes. Exactly. So, I, honestly, that's the one I picked. I was like, yeah, Crosby leading it's, in points, especially with Gensel missing a couple games. It, it's very likely that Crosby does lead in points. But if there's a lock in any betting in any of these four, it's Chris Letang to lead the Penguins in average time on ice. 
Yeah, like that's like the Crosby and Latang ones seem like guarantees, but if you had to pick one to be the more guaranteed, Chris Latang could probably not play another minute this year, have that average of twenty three minutes, and still hold it. That'd be for a, the year. That'd be a farcical win, but I would take it nonetheless. It would be, but you just have to figure that, like I said, averages are hard to bump up mm-hmm. because it's it isn't your total. It is average. You have to do that for the next or what five games into the season you have to do it for the next 70 whatever games 77 yes so that's hard to do mm-hmm. you're not gonna raise your average up three whole minutes overnight yeah so i think the, that's the guarantee of guarantees for sure is the crystal tag one and the last one and fans only 13 percent voted for malkin to lead the team in penalty minutes he was my preseason pick as of right now Jeff Petrie is the leader in the clubhouse, aided by a three-penalty game against the Montreal Canadiens last Monday. But Evgeny Malkin is tied for second with four penalty minutes. So that came in last, I think rightfully so, because you, you never know. And if, if somebody gets into a bunch of fights, somebody takes a big bench, uh, you know, a major penalty, that's a 10-minute misconduct. All of a sudden, the scales shift really quickly, and, and maybe Malkin stays out of the box this season. Maybe. You hope so. It's definitely the least likely. Uh, I would say Jari over 930 is the least likely. Malkin would be the second least likely. But hey, listen, our listeners are a faithful, loyal, and very happy bunch right now. And they think that their goaltender is going to keep this up over the entire season. I'd love to see it. I really would. But uh, the one thing we didn't mention was Jeff Petrie did practice on the top power play unit on Sunday. So last thing, if you've if you've stuck around 52 minutes, thank you for that. Uh, Jeff Petrie will probably be on the top power play unit with Chris Letang later on this evening against the Edmonton Oilers. You know what? I With, with Gensel out, I like it. And because we keep giving up shorthanded goals, I like it. They tried it with Raquel. You gave up the shorthanded goal. It's it's early in the season. What better time to try it than now, right? May as well. May, May as well. May as well. But that does it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you to everybody that has listened through. We have obviously covered a lot of ground in the past hour, but we thank you for listening and tuning in. We will be back on Thursday to talk about the two games in Alberta to break down the remainder of the Penguins' long early season road trip and hopefully get you ready for the Penguins being 6-0-1 because we love to talk about winning hockey and that's what the Penguins have provided us so far. That's it for this one. We will see you guys on Thursday.